Welcome to the Bible Talks with Josh and Heather. This is a show where we talk about deep theology in a simple way. So if you're interested in theology but don't consider yourself a theologian, this is the show for you. Yeah, we're glad you're here. We're Josh and Heather Tice, and we minister to and lead Southern Hills Baptist Church in Las Vegas. We love each other, love theology, and as you can tell, we love to talk. You can find this episode and previous episodes on our iTunes podcast or at KVXL 101.1 Experience Liberty Radio. So we always like to begin with a little bit of fun. So Heather, let's get started. All right. Okay, Josh, for our fun question today, here it is. Are you ready. ready? Yes. If you could wake up tomorrow knowing any language, like just you know it, in addition to English, what would it be? Okay, tomorrow I could wake up knowing any language, which one would oh, it yeah. be? Oh, yeah, by the way, moms with sons out there, I got a mom and son journal, and this was a question in that. So I highly recommend that you pass okay. it back and forth. So I took, I, took, I took three years of Greek, and I still don't know it well. I would love to know ancient Greek. I'd love to know the, the, but I would say, I don't know. I don't know that that will be first. I would probably say Spanish. And the reason I would say Spanish mm-hmm. is because I would have more opportunity of serving in my community with Spanish than, than going back with the Greek language. So probably I would go with Spanish. See, I love you, honey, Thank because you. we are just soulmates. And this is one of those moments we can relish And that I like you too. Because those were my answers. What? I told Jonathan that Spanish would have been my number one choice because it's so practical. Okay. Because you, there's so much opportunity to use it in our country and beyond. And then the other thing, so even Mexico and Spain, I just think it's a great language to know. But I also put that I would love to just know Greek and to be able to deepen my Bible study through the Greek language. Okay, so. but you do know a little Greek, right? I know. I don't think I'm saying it right. Charis, which is like the word for grace. I know agape. I was thinking about the man at the Euro <laughs> shop, the little oh. Greek. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> a little racial. A little what? racial. What? Greek. Oh, my word. No? We need to get started. All right, let's I get started. I think that was a great segue into the fall of man. You just gave us a great example of, of the fall of well, man. Well, before we talk about the fall of man, we're going to talk about the origin of man. And uh, we're going to talk specifically about uh, where man came from and how we got to the place that we find ourselves today. So for those who are new to the podcast, go back and listen, because some of our podcasts are just fascinating conversations about greatest fights of the Bible or best villains of the Bible, great heroes of the Bible. Bible would you rather. Bible would you rather. Then there are other episodes that are more theological in nature. We've already gone through theology proper, Christology, pneumatology, and now we find ourselves in uh, the doctrine of man, understanding the origin and the fall of man. And that is called... Anthropology. Anthropology, the study, or theologically, an- theological anthrop- anthropology, the origin and the fall uh, of man. So let's go ahead and begin with uh, the creation of man, Heather. Okay, well, we know, we talked about this a little bit during creation, but we know that man was formed of the Lord, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and into his nostrils breathed the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Okay, so we believe that God created man. Now, we don't need to go back. We had a whole few episodes about creation and and a biblical view of creation, so we don't need to rehash Mm -hmm. that. What we want to emphasize here is is Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, that talks about the fact that God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So it's saying that God created both man and woman in 
in his own likeness and in his image. What does it mean to be created in the image of God? How is that different from the rest of the animal kingdom? And what makes us distinct in that way? I got sidetracked because I just heard a woman say the other day that God created woman as the answer to the very first problem. Oh, no. <laughs> and okay, I thought that was beautiful. What? She actually said it not and not like a not an egotistical feminist way. Yeah. But she had a difficult childhood. She had struggled with abuse and different things and seeing herself as valued in God's eyes and seeing that she was an answer that God made her value. Um, change her perspective on femininity. So I'm sorry. I was in my own world. I'm so sorry, Bible okay. Talks. But isn't that sweet? It is. I like that. Okay. <laughs> but I did ask a question. You weren't even... <laughs> okay, so this this is a perfect example of how the episodes go. No, but in reality, what, what would you say to that question? Okay, so if God created man in his own image, there's a distinguishing factor between mankind oh, versus animal oh, kind. Oh, I know. I know. Okay, so what is Okay, that? I love this. Yeah. Um, and I learned this from you, my oh, wonderful husband. How about no, that? seriously, this is really good, y'all. Okay, so I'm going to give you that, that we are three-part being. Yes. We're body, soul, and spirit. Okay. Okay. The plant world is an example of something that has a body but nothing else. They have no emotions. They have no will, no trees. Like, I'm going to be the tallest tree. There's no emotion when they're sad except maybe a weeping willow. Whoa. <laughs> um, Very nice. I know, right? Very nice. But Great then joke. there's the animal kingdom, and we see two parts in animal life. Right. Animal life has a bodily form, but they also have what we would say, you and I refer to as a soul. Yeah. It's a personality. It's a will. Well, when Those we of say, you have pets When we this. say a soul, we mean mind emotion, will, personality. Yeah. There you are can dogs look at and an cats animal. that are very stubborn. Yeah. So when you look at ant, the, the, the plant kingdom, there's just physically a body. Yeah. Right? When you look at the animal kingdom, you might say, some might say, there's a, there's a body and some kind of a soul. Not an eternal soul, not a human soul, uh, but a soul. In, yeah. in that there's a mind, emotion, will, personality. They're You've different from one another. Happy dogs and sad yeah, dogs. Exactly. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Some they're more sensitive by nature. Yeah. But the thing that makes man different, and by yes. the way, yeah, very we should care for animals and love animals. We should. The Bible talks about that, being oh, yeah. a good steward of not only this planet, but the animals on it, and especially your own beast. If you have animals, you should be taking care of them. That is a Christian's responsibility. But we should never value and this is going to be tough for some to hear based on whatever background you may have grown up in, we should never value animal life over human life. I should not be more broken over elephant struggle in wherever in Africa than I am over human suffering because humans have a third part, and that is a spirit. Humans are what's made in the image of God. A spirit, the spirit is the part that communes with God. That's the part that we pray with, we worship with. When we get, when you get something out of your devotions or you hear something, a message that strikes you, it's not that the preacher's so good. It's that as a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. Your spirit has been made alive. Yes. And that is what is speaking to you and what is touching you and what's convicting you. Okay. So, so the difference between the animal kingdom and mankind is that we do have a spirit. Now the Bible says, uh, the Bible says in the book of Romans that man is created with a body soul, but because of sin, the human race fell, and man's soul, or excuse me, man's spirit is dead. It brought yes. spiritual death. So in when fact, you go to the Garden of Eden, right. God said, if you eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. They did not die physically, though I know death affected the whole world, sin affected the whole world, and the whole world no, began No, but God specifically but said, over in dead. the day you eat of it, yes. thou shalt surely die. And they didn't die, you know, with their soul. Like, they didn't become, like, you know, the walking dead, like zombies, like, you know, right. I've got no temperament or whatever. They still had mind, whatever. emotion, they a will, mind, yes. personality. 
But the part of them that died was the spirit. Right. That's why they could no longer have that unbroken fellowship with right. God. Right. So now they have now Adam and Eve had a, a because of their sin, they had a body, a soul, and a dead spirit. Yes. So this is this is fascinating because then Jesus comes onto the scene, right? Well, first of all, let's go through mankind. Oh yeah, that's right. Because baby Seth five. comes along. Adam and Eve have baby Seth, who later, you know, in born with a body, soul, soul dead, spirit. dead spirit. All the way down to all of us, we were born with a body, body soul, soul, and dead, and a dead spirit. spirit. That's when the Bible says that we have to be quickened through salvation. That means your spirit has to be made alive, made alive by the power salvation. of God. So then Jesus comes, right? And Jesus yes. is talking to a very religious man named Nicodemus, and he says, and uh, and uh, it's all about, you know, how can I see the eternal kingdom of God? And Jesus looks at Nicodemus and says, unless a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And uh, Nicodemus says, be born again. Shall I enter a second time into my mother's womb and be born? I mean, it sounds ridiculous. And Jesus says, no, you've already been born of the water and of the flesh. That is physical birth, water birth, not baptism, water birth. Okay, but now you need, Jesus said, but now you need to be born of the Spirit. Spirit. So Jesus is saying, you have a body, Nicodemus. You have a soul, Nicodemus. And now you need to be born again. Your spirit needs to come alive. And the only way for that to happen, he talks about this metaphor of the wind and talking about how God is there and he can breathe new life into you. He's the one who resurrects our life and uh, you can be born again. Uh, and uh, be- then he says, uh, whosoever believeth on the Lord shall be saved. So so this is the concept of how God created man in his own image. We're talking about the body, soul, and the spirit. Now, once somebody is born again, they are a complete being, body, soul, and spirit. Mm. And going back to that concept of being made in the image of God is what makes human life so sacred and the sanctity of life so important. That's why, as Christians, we should always defend life. Yeah, from um, womb to the grave, yeah. we should always in fact, defend you even see that in the, the scripture. sanctity Do of life. you know life. in the law that if two men were fighting and they accidentally you know a woman who's pregnant gets involved she's standing aside and she gets pushed whatever and the baby gets killed within her that um that that man is considered that you have taken a life because that woman had a life within her yeah so yeah so it's very important to god that we we respect his creation in that way so we've been talking about the creation of man and we're talking about the fall of man specifically the origin and the fall of man uh, and we are moving on to the concept of how God created man with much responsibility. Mm. Now, this is interesting. God gave man the Garden of Eden, which is symbolic of basically the entire planet, the universe, if, if you will. He gave him that to say, tend it and keep it um, and, uh, and take care of it. So God gives the care of the world to mankind. And this is one of the things that I think we need to take seriously. Uh, we have a responsibility to care for this world for the things of this world, and that's what you spoke of a moment ago, being kind and careful for the animals and taking care of them. And also the uh, environment. I mean, that's something that's easy as Christians. I think we're always looking towards heaven and eternity, and we neglect sometimes to realize, you know what? We do have a responsibility to care for what God has given us. Yeah. I I think it's funny. I don't want to get too diverted here, but we do live in such a politically diversive culture, a divisive culture, that that suddenly if I'm more conservative in my politics, the whole idea of being environmentally conscious is, oh, anathema. No, I can't do that. In fact, I will purposefully uh, try to destroy the planet almost, you know, get the biggest SUV I can just to spout fuel. Okay. (sighs) 
that kind of that's not Christian. That's Paul politics. And what we've got to do is we've got to get beyond that and realize there's a reality in the yeah. heart of man that God, gives from God, and that is a responsibility for taking care. But yeah, and only, it can be the smallest thing. I mean, literally, you see something like trash on the ground, pick it up, pick up the trash, do that recycling thing, do that thing to to take care. Of, I know sometimes you know, it's that extra step, but we should be doing that and considering this. But somebody might be saying to that. themselves, what if I don't want to? And that leads us to the next concept <laughs> of creation. God created man with a free will. That was a beautiful segue. Thank you. Thank You're you. So I've been working on my segues. Smooth yes. like yeah. butter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm glad that that segue worked out so well that you would, uh, you would, you would interrupt the entire podcast. So that we could talk about how great the segue was. I'm just was. here to help. Okay, so man, God created man with a free will. What does that mean? Okay, um, you see this in the very beginning in Genesis 2. Yeah. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely. He right. said, You can have all of this. You can choose if you want apples or oranges today. He says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. From the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God gave him uh, them so many blessings and so many opportunities and free will to choose what they would do. And he still does that today. People will ask this all the time. Why did God, knowing that sin was going to happen, why did he allow it? Why did he give man a free See, will? See, this is a fascinating concept. Oftentimes, one of the things that's often left out of the argument of sovereign, God's sovereignty versus man's free will is, is the creation story. That clearly here, God puts him in a garden and says, go ahead. Eat whatever you want. And there's also a, a, a tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat, don't eat of it. You're not yeah. allowed to. But he didn't stop them from eating it. He allowed them to eat of it. In fact, he gave so them choose. so many other options. And just like uh, mankind in general, what do we do? Even when we look at this story, we focus on the one thing. In fact, even when we tell it to kids and we're teaching in Sunday school, we're focusing on that one tree. God had withheld something. And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants you to say, Satan didn't come up and say, the snake serpent didn't say to Eve, look at all these other trees. There's, yeah. Man, that one's good and that one's good and that one's good. No, what do you do? He focused on the one yeah. that was withheld. And God doesn't withhold any good thing. No good thing will he withhold from those who are following him. So I know, I know we're getting a little off track, but that's a good no. thing to remember is that so often when we get focused on one thing, we're, we're forgetting that God gave us a free will and he's given us so many other options. Okay, so not only did God create us with a free will, God created, I love this, God created man with a, with a help meet. <laughs> Not oh that is later in the notes. Okay, so God created God created man with a help me. The Bible says oh the Lord goodness. God said it is not good for man to be alone, but yeah. then I will make him a help that is meet for him. That is a help that is perfectly suited for him. I'd like to hear more about this. Okay, so God created for Adam a perfect help meet named Eve, and then some of us, well, we find a perfect help meet too. See, there she is. All right. And I was what, getting what, nervous there, What's Josh. the principle behind this, Heather, that we need to remember? Oh, I wanted to hear you talk all about this one. Okay. And just expound upon it. The helper meet is, the word means fit for him. It's right. someone suitable for him. And that's something important to remember. I always tell couples in premarital counseling, one of the things that you've got to remember is that you are a team that God brought you together and the differences, you're going to want to get frustrated with the differences, but you need to appreciate the differences because those things that he has that you don't are things you need totally in your agree. life and vice versa. Yeah. I, I, there's so much more to say here, but we'll do another episode. We've done several episodes, as you know, on marriage. Go back and listen to those podcasts. We're going to do more episodes on marriage down the road. Another aspect of God's creation, creating man, is that God created man as an immortal being. So the idea that man will 
last forever. Not his body, his body can die. Not his spirit, even his spirit died because of sin. Spiritual mm -hmm. death was passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Okay, so the body can die. The spirit had died, and, and once you're uh, saved God, by God's sovereign power, he resurrects that spirit by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. All right, but there's this aspect of the soul being absolutely and completely immortal. Yeah. Uh, now, and how that's do we know for this? every human being, saved or unsaved, every soul in mankind is an eternal soul that will be somewhere forever. This is what makes it so important, the gospel message. We understand that the person that is living today will not live in the same body, but they will go on living forever. And whether that be eternally separated from God in a place called hell or an eternity, uh, in, in eternal uh, glory and in joy and in peace and in, in love with God and his presence in heaven— this is incredibly important. Revelation chapter 4 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. God created man's spirit so that he will never cease to exist. The scripture is full of references concerning the immortal, eternal nature of our immaterial being. Okay, so that's how man started. But let's talk about the origin of sin. Okay, so man, la man, well, before we go, I think it's important to really make this clear. Uh, this idea, I just want to double down on this idea of the immortal being, because some people believe in this idea that when man when man goes to hell, if man is apart from God, they die without Christ, they go to hell, that eventually they'll be annihilated, they will no longer, they will cease to exist. But Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 7 says, the spirit shall return unto God uh, who gave it. Um, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 25, it says, but the righteous will go into life eternal. The Bible says uh, in Re Romans chapter 2, to them who who by patient uh, continuance in well-doing seek the glory and honor of the immortal, uh, immortality, eternal life. Again, 1 Corinthians 15 speaks of the immortality of mankind. I think it's important to, th to realize that, otherwise we get into some false doctrine territory. Mm. Okay, the origin of sin. So that's where okay. mankind, yeah. I'm going to hit origin of sin, and I'm going to hit three points. I'm going to hit real quick. Okay, Are you go. ready? I'm ready. Buckle your seatbelts. Buckle your seatbelts. Okay, here it is. First of all, the command was given. And we talked about this already, that God gave a command. He said, this should be easy to obey. There's only one limitation. Okay. The second thing is, and this is what happens with us. God gives us a command throughout the scripture. So I want you to think about your own life. Okay. And this is the world today. How do people get to that point? We say, how do they get so confused in where they are? Yeah. Here's how. The command is given. Yep. Then God's goodness is questioned. We yep. talked about that just a minute ago. The biggest danger in sin is that we begin to say, well, God's withholding something good from me. Right. And God, you know, I love that person. And he withholds I can't, no good I can't thing be with to them, them that walk uprightly. Or, yeah, or I want that thing and I can't have that thing and I want to pursue that. Right. And it's not coming to me. I wanted that house or whatever it is. Um, I wanted to be that way. God didn't make me this way. God's not good. Yeah. So we question God's goodness. That's what the serpent did in the very beginning. Okay. Um, and then the third thing is we go even further and we question God's word. Right. We, we God. begin to warp it. Maybe God didn't really mean that. God's Have God really given. said? God, God's goodness is questioned, and then God's word is questioned. Mm. Did yeah. God really say, just like the, like you said, the serpent said, did God really say that you can't eat of it? And the answer is, well, well, let's see what the Bible actually and says. And by the way, can I just say, if you are doing any level of witnessing in the world today, um, I mean, I do a lot of counseling. And you can hear this from the world's philosophy. 
uh, Christians, true believers that have gone so far from the word of God that they did question the goodness of God. And now they're at the point three where they're really warping the word of God. They'll defend an unspiritual decision that goes completely against the word of God, something that is exactly sin. And they will take scripture and try to twist it and say, well, God really meant this. And this is what that said. And some of you have encountered that. And you need to know that's just a progression. They've been following Satan's lies and he has been leading them down that path. And that's how they get to the point they are that they're so confused. All right. So let's talk about the events of the fall itself, of of the fall. Now, we kind of talked about how mankind, Adam and Eve, fell into sin just a little bit. Let's talk about the specific way in which that affected all of mankind. Okay. Now, God God was rejected is really what's happening here. Eve's temptation took place in this way. First John chapter 2 describes this. There was the lust of the flesh. Um, that is, First uh, John chapter 2 says this is how people fall into sin. This is, this is how carnality really happens. There's the lust of the flesh. Um, the serpent said to Eve, uh, look, the food is good to be desired. There's the lust of the eyes. It's pleasant to the eyes. There's the pride of life. It'll help you become one that is wise. And so this is a very similar way in which Satan, I think, influences people into sin even to this day. Yeah, you can look at every area that we could be tempted in, and it'll fall into one of those three categories. That's why the Bible can say that Jesus was tempted in every area that we face, because there's only three areas that that temptation can be uh, fall into. And he experienced all of those and lived a sinless, perfect life. So Eve ate of the tree. She gave it to her husband. The Bible says that brought death, both physical death, mm-hmm. spirit, eventually physical death. Uh, they would have never died otherwise. Immediate physically. spiritual death. Immediate spiritual death. And then brings eventually eternal death in a place called hell. Now, what happened after the fall? Well, with spiritual death, that relationship with God was broken. Yeah. That's what spiritual death is. Yeah. We tell people a lot, when you read death in the Bible, most often it's talking about spiritual death. And what that means is that's a separation from God. You've got to realize that is sin blocking your relationship with God. Yeah, and so sin then brings consequences. The mm-hmm. first being your relationship with God is blocked. The second consequence, uh, specifically in the fall, we see that there are curses that are placed upon uh, yeah. those that were involved in this sinful story. First of all, the serpent is cursed, which I always think is um, is fascinating, right? The serpent is cursed, but in the serpent, there are two players here. There's the actual snake, and then there's the um, then there's the the devil who inhabited the snake. And God says yeah. to the snake, all right, because, and we don't know how this worked. I have no idea how, how the snake allowed the devil to enter him <laughs> and why the snake, this, uh, this animal, but there se- seems to be some kind of consciousness to the snake. There seems to be some kind of um, uh, um, uh, ability to choose because he himself is cursed. Hmm, that's interesting. The snake is. And it says you will be cursed and you'll be slithering on the ground and you'll eat dust. And now you have a theory about the serpent, <laughs> yeah. don't you? I won't spend long. I, if you want to hear the full theory, you got to go back and listen to Bible talks before and when we talk about creation. Oh, but yeah. I do think because it had to slither, what did it do before? I'm thinking wings. That's ultimately. She says wings. Some people say yeah. Some people say legs, that kind of thing. Some but... people say it was coiled like a spring and it could bounce. I'm just kidding. I haven't heard anybody say that. <laughs> it's but wouldn't like, that be hilarious? You know that reminds like me. you see a, okay, a snake bouncing. So the bouncing like... snake. I think of Robin Hood, the old Disney cartoon. Oh, yeah. You remember Sir Hiss? Yeah, yeah. He's bouncing. Yeah. Sir Hiss. That's his name. I think so. Yeah. Is that is that what it is, Crystal? Crystal knows. Yeah. Okay. And and uh, all I remember is is King John. Oh yeah, sucking, sucking his thumb. thumb. Oh my goodness, we have strayed. Prince, Prince John. John. Yes. 
Prince John. That's right, because the king was on the crusade uh, slaughtering people. Now, here's that not, part's not. Hey, here is probably something elephants. I have not thought about, y'all. <laughs> the crusades. Hey, hey, I have a question. I have a question. <laughs> this is like a light bulb going okay, off what? in my head. What? Okay, so we talk about how God redeems things, right? Yes. And He's going to restore things. He's going to make this this earth into a brand will new earth. Will He redeem? Is He the going serpent? to redeem the serpent? Oh, I well, think He will. Well, when you say the serpent, not Lucifer. We're not talking about the devil. No, no. snakes. I think they're going to get awesome again. Wow. I would never thought about that. That's something else to look forward to in heaven. What do you think? If the lion Write it is going to lay down with the lion's going to lay down with the lamb. Yeah. Who knows? And we're going to get restored, and the Who earth knows? gets restored. Why would the snake be left out? Okay, so not only is the serpent that's cursed, so cool. and if they're but, they're bouncing, if they're called snakes bouncing around, that's going to be cray cray. All right, go ahead. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the problem: that even in the midst of restoration, the Book of Isaiah says during the millennial kingdom that the lion will lay down with the lamb, but the serpent shall continue to eat the dust of the ground. So it's almost hmm. like the serpent's curse continues, at least throughout the millennial kingdom. And so we wonder if, if, that, uh, if that will go into the eternal kingdom. I, th I see a difference between. Uh. Some of our friends may not see a difference between the so eternal kingdom think... okay. and the millennial kingdom. But the millennial kingdom, it looks like the curse is still in place, according to, it, in, according to Isaiah chapter 65. I, uh, I got to stay this out because I don't think, I, it just doesn't make sense that that one part wouldn't be redeemed. Okay, now, it wasn't just the serpent. It was Lucifer who was judged. And one of my favorite Bible verses in the book of Genesis is Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, what we call the proto-evangelion, the, the first mention of the gospel. You're so smart. Well, I, <laughs> so you would say that. Okay, here it is. It is, and I will put enmity, God says, I'll put enmity between thee, Satan, and the woman between thy seed and her seed. The, 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 it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. That is, there is a person, a seed coming from you, Eve, that will crush the head of the serpent. And many evangelical Bible believers see this as the first mention that, that the, the seed of the woman, Jesus Christ, will come and crush the head of the serpent, being Lucifer, and all of his plans will be destroyed. Uh, in fact, if you ever saw the movie The Passion of the Christ, you'll notice um, Jesus is praying in the garden, and then there's this weird scene where he stands up and he crushes a serpent's head. That's my head. favorite scene in the whole movie. And you're like, what is that about? Well, that's what that's referencing. Powerful. Uh, Mel Gibson and the whole creative team there was referencing this passage and that uh, historical Christian belief. So, But not only is there a curse upon the serpent, there's also a curse upon the woman. Yeah. You want to speak to that woman? that one. <laughs> Can we just skip over that? No, I'm kidding. Um, it's one we don't like thinking about, but the curse upon the woman involves pain and childbirth. And um, I'm going to stray. You didn't know I was going to do this. I'm going no. completely rogue. Go for it. Go I'm going to stray a little bit. And I know you're playing with your phone, but you've got to pay attention because I, I need what? your thoughts no, on this. No, don't. I'm not. Oh. I need your thoughts on okay, this. Okay, I'm listening. We've discussed it briefly, but I am more and more convinced of it. So first of all, childbirth is not the curse, but the pain and stuff that we experience. Sure. I don't think we have to talk about that more because we all get it. Like yeah, yeah. If you've had babies, even if you haven't had babies, women know, like, oh, my word. Right. Okay, got and it. And men, just a tip for you, don't ever say, like, like, it's like when you have a baby. You don't know. None of you do, so don't say it. Okay? Now, with the, the other aspect, there are some people say that submission to her husband was the curse. And I don't think that's it. They'll, they'll reference a verse where it says, "In her desire shall be unto him. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go to a place and I'm going to get some hate for this probably. Don't hate, y'all. Don't hate her. Don't hate. Just give She's, me grace and love We're just talking about me. the Bible. Just I having a discussion. 
am about right. 90% sure in my decision here, in my yes. belief, that that is actually talking about something else. I don't think submission is part of the curse. God had order and things set up, I believe, beforehand. Very interesting. I believe that that is actually talking about a woman's proclivity in sin nature to desire not just a husband, but to seek everything in that man. Now, I know men can do this, too. Men can look. You've for explained this to me before, and I think it's a fascinating Bible in a, theory. a female relationship, you know, but men look for so many other things. Men don't just seek a woman, but they seek power, fame, all these other things. But yet you see from the tiniest age, little girls trying to bat their eyes at that little boy next to them you know, in Sunday school and thinking about marriage. And it's so this desire. Um, and it's one of the things I think goes into just the nature of a woman is that we can so be overwhelmed with that desire. And I think it can draw us away from God. So I think it's one of the things that is part of the curse is that we are continually Well, sure, because that. the number one thing that we are supposed to seek is what? Seek God. first the kingdom of God and his right. righteousness, and these other things shall be added unto you. And it is, it is a valid point. Most of the women that we come across the counsel, mm-hmm. not every one, but most of the women we come across, it seems yeah. as if their number one pursuit that they're seeking yeah. after is the affection and, they, and love of a man. women will do the most ridiculous things. They will and lay down And what you're saying is that's part things. of the curse. I think so. Yeah. I think it's one of the things that we are continually in our nature struggling with. And that is one of the things that's from that. I don't believe it's submission. So there it is. What are your thoughts on that? Please let us know. Go to the Bible Talks Facebook page, Bible Talks with Josh and Heather. And I really would enjoy hearing your thoughts or hearing references to that and studies on that. So Okay, so... The serpent was cursed. The you dev- didn't say if you agree with me. I, I, I really do. Actually, I agree with you. I think, I think it's a I'm fascinating. Sure it thing. It's not the first I'm time that I've right heard now. it. Um, it's not. Well, it's you not heard the fir- it from, from you. Oh, from, from you. Me. You've taught. You've. Have you heard it from somebody other than me? No. Which, which worries me. <laughs> I know it worries me too. <laughs> no, no, seriously. I, but though. it does make sense. So I, someone out there's got to be saying it the right way because I'm sure I'm not no. saying it very clearly right now. Well, the woman's cursed in according to the origi- her original sin. And by and the man way, I have to put a well. disclaimer out there. It doesn't mean I think it's wrong to desire to get married and all that stuff. Right. That's not what I'm talking about. So if you thought that's why I said, just forget what I said, because that's not it's what not I was what saying. not what you said. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what about the man? Okay, so the man is cursed as well. And the Bible says that unto Adam, he said, because you've hearkened unto the voice of your wife in this, and you've eaten of the tree, which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. So here's the idea. God curses man, not with work. Work was part of the original plan. Work will be part of the eternal kingdom. It's with this concept of extensive labor. He talks about the sweat of your brow, you'll get food from the ground. The curse includes pain and sweat that work naturally produces. So no matter what your job is, people say, find what you love to do. And you'll never work a day in your life. Uh, here's the reality. Everything you do will include some aspect of labor. It's part of the curse. And That's so, inter- interesting. It's almost the idea that, yeah, work's not part of the curse, but now it's going to be, instead of just you working and making it happen, it's, things are going to be going against you. So precisely. next time you're having a def- rough day at work, just think, like, this is the part of the curse. There it is. That's what it is. That's why I'm, gonna, I'm just going to start <clears throat> hashtagging curse. On my Thursdays. <laughs> so not only is woman, woman curse, yeah. man curse, serpent curse, oh, the devil curse, the final curse ground, the is the ground. The whole ground is affected by sin. Yeah, it says cursed is the ground for thy sake, which means the earth itself is cursed. The planet is cursed. So um, this is why we have uh, thorns and thistles and, and all this kind of stuff. It's why things don't naturally grow. It's also why we have natural disasters, earthquakes and volcanoes and, and, and tsunamis. Uh, this is why it's really, really dangerous as Christians whenever a, a terrible event uh, uh, happens <clears throat> in a city or in a location. Like whenever uh, whenever 
the hurricane came through New Orleans so many years ago, uh, there were Christian ministers who literally said, well, it's a wicked city and that's God's judgment. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The Bible doesn't yeah. say that at all. The, the Bible says that the earth is cursed and natural disasters take place because of the original man. fall of mankind. Yep. That is all of our problems. And uh, so it's not a blaming upon God. Mm-hmm. It's the natural results of the sin of mankind. Incredibly important. By the way, the, why am I so sensitive about that? Because if a earthquake happened and split Las Vegas wide open, how many, oh, yeah. how many self-righteous Christians would say, well, it's a wicked city? Um, no, it's a wicked yeah. world. <laughs> it's a broken world, and those things happen because the world is broken. However, the Bible re- will not will redeem, and that's what you were insinuating a little bit. He'll redeem the earth. He'll redeem man. He redeems women. He redeems, and his redemption. And by will the be way, I, I, there are other things that go into that. We're talking about the earth, and I think even in kind of the thing we were taught, it was focusing so much on the earth and stuff, but. The things that inhabit the earth, man's physical death, the body decaying, diseases that come up, the violence within an animal kingdom, all of that. Uh, the reason bees sting us, all of this, the reason dogs bite, it comes from sin. I love it. Okay, so we're going to pick up on this theological discussion, not in our next episode, but in the episode following that. We're going to talk about the seriousness of of sin. So mm-hmm. mankind has been created. Mankind has sinned originally and fallen, but now there is still sin in the heart of man, and it is incredibly serious. Uh, we've got to take seriously the effect of sin in the life of the Christian uh, and in the unbeliever. So we'll be talking about that next time. Uh, but in the next episode, we're talking about the biggest babies in the Bible. The, the powders. Babies <laughs> in the Bible. Powders Bible in the Bible. Powders. So we look forward to so that. So think about that one. Who would you think is a powder in the Bible? Thank you for listening today to the Bible Talks with Josh and Heather. Now, there's one thing we'd like you to do for us. Okay, the one thing we want you to do right now online, if you're listening to this podcast, what we'd love you to do is take it and share it. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Twitter. Share it on Instagram. Tell other people about this podcast. Why? Because other people need to find out about the incredibly charming podcast. conversations about the Bible that Heather and Josh are bringing to the And table not just that, but then you can have these conversations with them. You can be like, I really totally Very agreed good. with Heather, and I did not agree with Josh on that point. That's exactly, wow. <laughs> that could be All your right. awesome that's, conversation that's, with your friends. That's unnecessary. <laughs> Again, thanks for listening, and remember, when the Bible talks, we'd better listen.